Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast, continuing the reign in Britain, talking to fellow Brits who are doing incredible things over there. Like I do every single week, I, uh, I run through a bio, then go through some questions. So today we have Christian Alossi, who is a former dancer, actor turned choreographer and creative director who's had a career span of over 20 years as a performer and has worked with artists such as Beyonce, Rihanna, Joe, Kylie Minogue, Alicia Dixon, JLS, and many more. On top of that is also choreographed performances for the 2012 Paralympic opening ceremony of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee concert, Summer Ball, Summertime Ball, sorry, Street Dance 3D movie one and two, Got to Dance, and many other live and theatrical performances. Christian is also one of the founder members of Britain's Got Talent stars Flawless, who burst onto the UK screens in 2009 and shot to stardom. He now runs his own talent agency and is committed to developing and mentoring the next generation of up-and-coming talent and helping them to achieve their goals of being successful, all-round artists and entrepreneurs. So firstly, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's you a pleasure. Are oh, it's a pleasure. After, after we met through, uh, through a new application called Clubhouse, an audio <laughs> application. <laughs> Brilliant. You know what? It's, it's, it's crazy because, like, I I am one of those people that that just I'm I've never been like too big on like you know just reaching out to people or whatever. That's that's my business partner's forte. She's like she's the talker. Yeah, I just like like to like bring the ideas and then she'll like you know implement them. But Clubhouse has kind of like flipped that for me, and now I'm I'm just connecting with loads of people. I think it's more like-minded, just real, genuine people like yourselves. And um, like I was saying on camera, like you're the first person I connected with outside of Clubhouse. Um, so now look where we are. It's crazy. I know, mate. I know. And you know what? I, I just love talking. I love hearing people's stories. That's the thing about me. And I think with the Imperfectly Perfect campaign, the whole, the whole kind of genesis was to really disrupt social media and highlight reels because... You've had an incredible career, what we can touch upon. And one of the things, the main drivers for me was back in the past, I went through body dysmorphia and this perception to the outside world. I was in fitness. I was fine. Behind scenes, I was going through depression and everything with body dysmorphia. Further than that, two years ago, found out through social media that one of my friends passed away. Turned out he'd taken his life. Again, highlight reels, we didn't often see it. So I wanted to really start opening this conversation with people such as yourself, people who are influential public figures through a cross of industries and really break those barriers and actually say, hey, you know what? It's okay to speak out because it doesn't matter what profession you're in, it affects us all. And at times where people do see highlight reels and see like you've been on stage, you've done incredible things, Beyonce, the names are there, but people don't see the behind the scenes and the struggles, what actually goes in. So I like to break it back and bring it back to the beginning so christian everybody thinks they know christian the performer the creative director but who is christian i mean that young boy growing up with dreams aspirations and how you've got to where you are um i think i'm just like most people um imperfect flawed 
um, to a degree, but accepts those those flaws and just like everybody else have my own um, insecurities and hangups. Um, most performers, like, you know, have this perception that they are super confident. Like that is, that's an alter ego that you see um, when they're on stage. But in actuality, when they come off stage, there is so much that they are fighting um, and struggling with internally. Um, because we're, we're, we're in an industry that's more, based on um, you being judged and based on you seeking validation or acceptance, um, whether it's via a casting director or a director or a producer or a model agent or record company, you're constantly seeking that, you know, that you want to be acknowledged, you want to please, you want to be the person that's, you know, put in front of, um, a certain individual that you look up to and feel like, yes, that person has given me the seal of approval. It's almost like when a kid um, is, um, you know, wanting to please their parents, wanting to make them proud, making, wanting to kind of, you know, get that stamp of approval that, yes, I'm proud of you, kid. And, and that, that rush of, of in, in, you know, emotion and endorphin just kicks in like, wow, like they've accepted me. They're, they're really, really proud of me. Um, so in the industry, it's, it's, it's one of those um, industries where if, if you are not thick skinned, um, it could be very, very damaging. And I think um, over the years for me, I've gone through multiple transitions and transformations to try and really, really find myself. Um, I try not to get caught up in, you know, following the crowd because that's how I was when I was in school. And I was always like searching for like the right people and the right crowd to be in when in actuality, none of it like served me um, in the long run because it played a huge part in my insecurities. And I can say that now because I, I own my ish um, to a point where looking back, I'm like, wow, I was really, really struggling. I was, I was a damaged kid, not just from school, but from, um, you know, from my upbringing, constantly seeking validation and approval or acceptance. And I went to an all boys school as well. So that you can imagine it was a straight brutal. It was savage. I'm not going to lie. Um, if, you know, you can find yourself one day you're you're cool with your friends and then the next day something happens and and there's a fallout it's um you know it's one of those things that that it adds to a lot of people's um insecurities so i went through a lot of it in order to find myself so now i would say i'm somebody who's um i'm content with my flaws and i'm okay with not being perfect um, which ironically enough, which is, you know, what your, uh, your podcast is about imperfectly perfect. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, that's the kind of like boy, that, boy slash man I am today. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, I would say short, but it wasn't so short. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. But I suppose with, with that, what you were saying about, um, like never following the, the the crowd i think like a lot of it is obviously you seem very grounded there's a lot of self-reflection in that and i think a lot of people don't tend to actually you've got to be self-aware to really internalize things i suppose so was that something early on with you that you suddenly 
had a notion of being self-aware and going, hey, this is not for me. I need to look at what's going on inside as to why I'm trying to act this way or... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was always constantly asking questions and challenging, not just myself, but people. Um, and I think it, it would come across as though that um, to, to others that, that, you know, I'm a know-it-all, but in actuality, it's me asking questions for myself so mm -hmm. I can, like, you know, really, really find myself. Um, it's, it's not necessary to pick a fight. Um, and some people would see it as I'm... I'm um, I like to, you know, challenge people for the sake of like picking a fight. I, I'm, I'm not that person at all. I just like to understand. I try to understand, but if I don't understand, I'm trying to like pick it out and dissect what it is that you're saying. Why is it you're saying it? And if I don't agree with it, I'm going to tell you why. Um, whether you're able to handle that um, truth bomb or not, it's a different story. I know. Um, we live in a world now everything's hypersensitive like you know so you kind of have to like tread carefully um i'm a compassionate person by nature so i always try and understand and, and speak before i speak because you never know what you know people are going through um because you know internally like i said we all struggle so you you want to be able to put yourself in a position where okay i've been in positions where i don't i'm going through stuff and i don't show it and I like to have that approach with, with other people um, without, you know, seeming that I'm, I'm handling them with kid gloves. But at the same time, it's my way of being compassionate and showing empathy uh, in order to understand people. Um, but, you know, it's, you never really do completely succeed. Um, but I'm okay with that also. I just, as long as I'm those who know who I am know that my intentions are always pure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love the fact that you also broke it down to saying it's, it's almost like that second persona when people are on stage, because the amount of people that I've talked within your industry and the common question I'm going, everyone thinks you've got to be an extrovert to be on stage and in front of people, but the majority, exactly what you said there, I'd say, 98% of people have been on this podcast have all said the same and said off stage, I, I prefer my own company. I am actually very introverted. So yeah, another person, but did you go to drama school before? Like when you was, when you was upcoming and doing the, all the dancing and all that kind of stuff. So I went to um, um, a normal college that they had like a, um, a performing arts department, which is um, studying dance, drama, um, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, it wasn't your traditional stage school, which looking back, I'm actually glad I didn't go to a stage school. <laughs> we'll touch that on that later. Because yeah, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> um, so before um, getting into dance, I was more into um, sports. You know, I liked running. Um, track and field was, was my jam. I liked football. And I thought like when I was younger, I was destined to be an athlete. Um, and it just didn't work out that way simply because of like, you know, little experiences in school with my coach um, that kind of drove me into the music um, sector because music was always one of my first loves. Um, and from music, that's where, you know, uh, my passion um, or my interest, shall I say, for dance kind of like developed. Um, and my teacher, she was um, one of the most, you know, 
encouraging teachers. Her name was Miss Whalen. I'll never forget her. Um, she was like so chilled. And there's in school, there's always somebody that makes a huge impact in you as a teacher. Um, and they play a huge part in your life, whether it be good or bad. So I'm always um, aware when I'm teaching or, um, or coaching. But um, she like kind of encouraged us to you know express ourselves through music and if dance came with that then so be it and that was the case it developed um just before i started um leaving school i think i was like 14 i was late bloomer um into dance um and then i decided that i wanted to um study it leaving college um drama i was you know i was always into the theatrics even though I was an introvert, I was, you know, I loved films. I loved um, uh, movies. So I wanted to explore the, the performing arts and I got into it. Although in my head, I thought, yeah, we're going to go, go, go to college and we're going to like study street dance. No. <laughs> Came with <laughs> ballet, contemporary, jazz, the works. <clears throat> and I was at first getting into it. I was like, what the hell am I doing? How did I start like ballet? I've never done ballet in my, well, actually I did once when I was a kid um, by default, but anyway, um, you know, having to study it Monday to Friday for three years. Um, and then, you know, that just developed. I, I, st I love, I started to, to really, really feel for it because there was, there was a deeper connection. There was, you know, there was something inside that was untapped. Um, so it allowed me to explore, even though I was the only, um, there was two guys in, in the, in the class, the rest were just like um, females. So you can imagine like for me as a young teenager, 16 years old going into that, like, you know, you're surrounded by um, loads of girls. You've just met them as well. You've never really studied um, this um, style of dance before. So it's a new thing. Um, and then as the years went by, I, you know, I started to, um, really really enjoy what i was doing and, and developed into the performing arts industry um leaving that i was i thought i wanted to go university but then i had this moment of am i going there for myself or am i going there for my parents um so now with the industry when you're out of sight you're out of mind I thought I'm going to take a gap year and, and you know, just explore. Now that I've, I've come out of um, college, I've missed out on opportunities um, with castings and stuff. And back then, like, you know, you know, the industry was really, really thriving. Um, and I thought, why not shoot the shot? And um, lo and behold, things started taking off. And then I didn't look back. I, I thought, OK, I can't just subtract myself from this now. I'm, I'm, I'm on a momentum. I can't like, you know, leave this now and then go to university. So I decided to, to continue on, on my um, um, good run. And from there, things just catapulted really. Um, sometimes it, it, it wasn't just um, to do with talent, you know, luck does play a part in, in, in the industry. Um, but at the same time, you know, you gotta, you gotta really, really put your, your shift in and, I think I was more fearless then than I am now, which is crazy. When you're younger, you just don't think of it. You just, whatever, whatever happens, happens. I think now there's a lot more to think about. Um, I think there's, simply because there's more to lose. 
when you're in a position where you're starting up, you have nothing to lose. Yeah. You're just, you're, you've got more to gain. Um, so then getting older and you're starting to establish yourself and, you know, get your foot in the door and get recognized, um, things start to slightly change. You become a bit more fearful and like, okay, cool. I, I need to make sure that I'm operating this way. Even though I, was, I, I think I would say it was, or somebody with a good head on my shoulders, I was respectful. I'd always made sure that every job that I was on, I've remained professional through and through, um, on time, um, you know, never disrespectful, never like rude, just, you know, carried myself in a, in a way that, you know, people would see that was honorable. Um, because there's, there's nothing worse than just kind of like, you know, to getting an opportunity and just completely thrown away with a bad personality. And yeah. that easily, like change in an, in an instant in the industry you could be the most talented but if you're a douchebag <laughs> that could really really impact um the trajectory of your career so um yeah it's it's an interesting um in industry but it has its rewards as well yeah it's uh what you just said there it's uh you might have heard me say it before i know my listeners have but i got to know justin garini and he came on the campaign straight away and he he, I think he, he did American Idol. He did a lot of things, incredible things. But he was telling me, he was like, he once sat for dinner with Lionel Richie. First of all, I'm like, like you do. <laughs> and, and, and Lionel Richie actually gave him the best piece of advice and did say to them very similar words of you said there in, in that fame or money does not change the person who you are. It amplifies the person that you are. So if you are, a person with ego, it's just going to amplify it. However, if you're a nice person, you'll use that platform for good. So yeah, totally get it. When he told me that, I was like, wow. <laughs> Did it give you a newfound appreciation as well? Because you have seen the struggle of what it takes behind the scenes to do it for yourself. But then to go on stage with some of these that are also peers to yourself who you've looked up to and seen their highlight reels, what is that like? Do you have a newfound appreciation where you see their behind the scenes and how hard it is for them and what they have to do as well as yourself? Absolutely. Um, I think it's like, um, for example, with athletes, they respect and admire anyone that's willing to make the same sacrifices that they have um, to achieve a goal. Like for example, boxers or combat sports um, um, athletes, regardless of all the trash talk, there's always respect there because they know they've gone through the same thing. Yep. Um, it's the same thing with like performers. Like there's there's always a huge admiration, even if they are like not necessarily like decent people at the core. Um, you've got to respect them because they've gone through the same hustle that you've gone through, the the um, uncertainties of not knowing when your next paycheck was going to be or when, you know, whether you're going to get a casting or not. Um, so um, I, I do admire um, my peers and I do respect them. And in fact, I admire the, the ones that are on a bigger platform because they have more to um to lose and in fact they have more work to do just to keep themselves there i think a lot of people forget that it's not the hardest part is not making it the hardest part is sustaining it mm. so you can get you can think oh my god right i've made it i've gotten to a place where i wanted to be 
the real work starts when you have to like keep your position because there's somebody else that's below you that's fighting to take that spot. Um, that's where it gets even more competitive. Um, and if you're not competitive by nature, um, chances are you're going to kind of like fall off the wagon. Yeah. Um, luckily through my was through sports that it made me naturally competitive. I think that's why I was a bit more fearless when I was younger. So, um, the, 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 you know, vibe of, of wanting to compete was there, um, regardless of whatever happened. Um, and I think looking back, the older dancers that were in the industry when I first came up used to hate it when the younger ones used to come in because we would just come, we, I think we were the, the disruptive kind. We'd just come up and just completely like shake the tree and, <laughs> and think, well, you know, we've got something else to offer. And I'm six foot one, so I can, I can um, walk into the room like, yes, I can, you know, learn choreography or learn a script or whatever, but I can also add more to it. Um, like, for example, I could trick, I could do flips and I could flip up the wall and stuff. And not many of them, the older ones, could do that. So it, it gave us some kind of like leverage. Um, and now it's the same with the younger generation. They could do what I could do, but more now. So, you know, now what? It's a case of, right, now what do I have to offer that could leverage them? But then I go back to my experience because um, that's something that I know I can offer on a production or on a meeting or, you know, working with any organization because I know how the industry works. I know how it operates. And I know what it is that um, casting directors or anybody um, are looking for in terms of um, creating a piece or, um, you know, an artwork that on a bigger, grander scale, mm. um, just because I've had that, experience whether it be the good or bad i can now bring that to the table and say okay well well in the past i've tried this it didn't work how about this so now you're often offering solutions not just um your service which ideally would make you an asset to any project and i want to touch upon that because i think it's absolutely amazing what you're doing and like empowering the younger generation with everything that you've been through and equipping them with your experience and knowledge but just before that with everything that you've been doing through the career, I suppose that you've, you've always had that industry experience. But then, like you said in your bio, in, in, in 2009, when you hit the screens on one of the biggest shows in Britain, and then that stardom hit, and then you were thrust, I suppose, in front of the camera. How was that? Because you was part of a dance troupe. There was quite a lot of you. So how, first of all, did you navigate your own mental health and wellness when suddenly all spotlights are on you and also as a team dynamic as well? Um, looking back, it, we were not prepared. We were not ready. Um, and I don't think anyone truly is ever ready. In your mind, you may think, Oh yeah, I'm just gonna go it, go out there and just you know do my best and and you know just show the world what I got. But in actuality, you could go out there and completely crush it and be accepted, or you can go out there and completely tank it and your world is spiraling out of control. Mm. Luckily for us, um, you know we had each other as a team. Um, and our mindset was just to go out there and just, you know, show what we got and put street onto the map. Cool. 
And lo and behold, we did not know the reaction that we were going to get. Um, and, you know, things started like completely spiraling and we're like, whoa, okay, what, what, what's going on? Like, what are we going to do here? Bearing in mind, we're so used to, um, you know, I was slightly wanted, I was one of the older ones. I was used to being behind an artist, you know, making them look good. But now when we're in the forefront, we are the artists. So it was kind of like a, um, a huge shift. Um, and you have to adapt to it very, very quickly because now the spotlight's on you and not um, the artist that you're behind. Um, exactly. So, you know, it's, 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 it's very, very different. Um, people think I'm going in there for one thing, but what you go in there compared to what you come out with is completely different. Um, I think one of the, one of the useful things that, um, that we had was a support network. If you don't have a support network, things can go terribly wrong. Um, and luckily we had a manager at the time. Um, she was with, with us from the beginning, so she knew us as people. Um, and we had each other, like I said, as a team. But it could really, really um, be challenging as a team as well, because now we're thrust into this um, really, really pressurizing moments when you have to get into the studio and um, create something magical. And that's where the creative differences can really, really be challenging, especially when you've all got different ideas and like, right, cool. Yeah, I got this idea, let's do this. And you've got eight people saying, no, that's trash. <laughs> so that could really, really also like knock your confidence as well. Yeah. So it's, it's all about selling for with us. We had to really, really sell an idea in order for the, the rest of the team to buy it. If you didn't sell it, they weren't put, bringing out their wallet. Honestly, I'm like, they weren't bringing out their wallet. And it was, it was really, really difficult because yes, we're all um, competitive, but at the same time, we wanted to like produce really, really quality uh, material because this is going out to the world. You put out trash, that's going to like be on the internet forever. That's yeah. it. It's, you can't, so you can't take that back. So you've got to really, really be mindful of what it is. And it, it was challenging, to say the least, on that show because there was so many obstacles um, and so many forces against us. Um, you know, we... I don't like to, like, you know, use the race um, card as, as, as um, a part of the conversation or just for it, but it did play a huge part in, in the back of our minds, you know, a bunch of, you know, uh, black kids from, um, you know, you know, let's say poorer backgrounds coming up, you know, we, those limiting beliefs played a huge part in, in, in our, in our mindsets, but at the same time, we just thought it is what it is, where, what will be, will be. Um, you never really know what, the nation is going to accept because it's not about your talent. It's about likability first. Talent is second. They have to buy into you as people and then they'll, you know, look at your talent. Like, oh yeah, they're really, really good. But there's always a but. Mm. So, um, yeah, that, the, the TV world is very, very interesting and educational and, and it taught us a lot. We had to grow up very, very quickly, mm. like very quickly even though I was like 24 at the time, um, still like as much as I was, um, 
experienced in the industry, this world was completely different to what I knew because I'm used to making an artist look good. Yeah. Now it's all about us being the artists and having to work twice as hard for the audience to buy into us as artists. So it's completely different. We're in a comfort zone over here, you know, getting paid on a job, you know, crushing it with the artists, making them look good, helping them sell. But now we have to sell ourselves. So yeah, it's, it's completely, it's a different world. And um, it's so pressurizing. And I, I get why a lot of artists like go into a downward spiral in terms of depression and mental health issues because it's, it's, it's so hard to judge somebody from the outside, but if you don't know what it really takes and what they're going through, it's, I would suggest like you just really look inwards and don't say anything. You, you do not know what demons that they are carrying inside because of the pressures that they are having to deal with and live up to the expectations. It's, it's surmountable and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Uh, yeah, so if you don't have a thick skin, um, if you don't have a good support network, I don't know if this industry is for you. Yeah, it's um, something that obviously I've got to learn about more and more through doing all these chats with everybody. And and for me, I'm like, I, that wasn't my passion. I never wanted to go in that industry. Always found it fascinating. But for now, for talking to you guys, I'm like, whoa, no. <laughs> I like, because I think it's amazing. And when we connected, obviously it was, I heard first and foremost about what you're doing with these kids, which, because you've gone through every th experience like that. But when you do hear on the back end of stuff, like in, in passing, when people go, oh, modeling, oh, they just stood there, or an actor. And I'm like, the first time I actually got asked to go on to talk about this campaign, I didn't even know which bloody camera to look at, let alone lines and all that. And I was like, how anybody, and then when I look at the kids of today and they're doing films, I'm like, holy hell. So tell us about that because I know your manager, Sarah, who I've also met on groups, you speak very highly of her. You've gone into like partnership now to help kids. Tell us about yeah. that. Um, well, yeah, she used to be my, um, she used to represent me as an agent when I was in, first coming up in the industry. And I built up a really, really good relationship with her. And, and she's like absolutely incredible with what she does. And I don't, I'm not just saying that, but like, on the she's one of the leading agents in the country. Um, so developing that relationship, um, I, I found a new respect, not just that I didn't respect her before, but even more so. And um, I trusted her implicitly like massively. She was somebody that I really, really trusted. And I came with her with ideas. So I look, I want to like do this for um, the younger generation. Um, it's coming from where I've come from with the experience that I've, I've had. I want to be able to kind of like make sure um, these young up and coming um, performers are protected. And because I know, I know my pitfalls, I know what I've had to go through and stuff. Um, and not necessarily had the right support there from somebody who's done it or been there to, um, you know, kind of like guide me and say, look, you know, don't go down that route. That's not your avenue. Go down this way. Um, so, you know, we, we had that discussion and she was like, let's do it. It wasn't even, you know, oh, I don't know. It was just a straight answer. Let's do it. 
Um, and then from then on, we, we started building. And already I was, I was teaching and mentoring um, young performers as well. Uh, we ran a school with, with Flawless, um, set that up and started, you know, developing more talent, giving them the opportunities, um, videos, performances, um, and then started nurturing, getting them into the agency and providing them with work. Um, and quite a few of them now are doing um, some films for us, a massive project now, actually, a Netflix film, um, which is crazy because looking back, I'm like, when I was 10, I wasn't doing movies. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> opportunities like, you guys, because it's, it's just look at them and think, well, back in my day, it, it's, 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 that, it's that conversation. But, um, Was it back in your day, can I ask? Because um, it, it's funny, the more like Suzanne, who we both know and stuff like that, when I hear you guys talk, when you was going through auditions, it used to be you used to get the local paper, stage paper, and circle the auditions. Whereas now it's like <laughs> everything's online. Everything is online. Everything's easily accessible. Um, back then, you if you didn't have an agent, you had to have heard something like through the grapevine and um, gate crush. And that's what um, I used to do a lot, just gate crush. Um, <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, so many, like the, the, the biggest jobs that I've had, I gate crushed <laughs> simply because I wasn't with that agent. I wasn't with that agency or they weren't accepting new um, artists back then or, you know, for whatever reason, their books are full. And um, for all right, cool, I just hope for the best. And so when you did hear about one, the whole industry was just like going. Um, so I thought, well, you know, the worst they can say to me, you can't, <laughs> you can't come in. So I, well, you know, just you shoot. Just up. You literally, yeah, I, I, used to, I used to just turn up. And <laughs> how did you get through the door? <laughs> well, most of the time, like they weren't like, you know, very efficient with checking who's on the books and who's not. I think that was just, so overwhelmed with the amount of people and just wanted to like just get it over and done with and you know onto the next group that you just yeah shoot your shot and and hope for the best whereas now there's a lot more systems in place where it's invite only or it's an open call or if it's not an open call and it's closed yeah you're gonna struggle a bit like you know gate crashing but if you know somebody within that circle then just kind of like hit them up and reach out and say look you know i heard the thing can i you know can you get me in or whatever um so now it's mainly about who you know like who you know if you're connected with somebody then that will help you and serve you but if you don't know i would say just like reach out to them on, on instagram or whatever and just shoot the shot whatever happens that happens if they say no just go anyway <laughs> <laughs> i once saw this thing viral on youtube and it was like someone gate crashing like the oscars and they went into the actual building like really early on, hid in the toilets and then put a suit on it. <laughs> and I think it was obviously before protocol was really tight because I'm like, surely they check before everyone came. Got <laughs> this camera here and then he walked out and he was already in and he was taking pictures with everybody. Yeah. He gate crashed. I'm like, Brilliant. No. That was awesome. I'm like, <laughs> good on you. But um, what is... Um, agency. Well, I, you're an agency or a school. We're we're an agency um, called Cast Talent. We used to be called Triple Threat and Talent Management, but we had some um, legal issues with another company that's had similar names. So rather than go fighting it through court, we just thought, you know what, just going to change it. 
So Sarah now changed it to Cash Talent. Um, and the school is under Flawless's um, dance school or dance hub. Um, it's just a development school where anyone from any, um, if you already belong to another um, school, you can come and just um, get extra training, extra mentoring or whatever. We don't try and poach anyone's students or whatever. It's just providing the space to train, develop, um, get some insight knowledge and you can take it to your uh, your mother dance school or whatever, you know, um, it's completely open. And as for the agency, um, we focus on like developing like raw talent into pure talent. So the ones with the raw talent are the ones that you can really, really like, you know, get your hands on and, and show, kind of like mold them to the ultimate artist. Um, and I think a lot of them think, oh yeah, I just want to like be, be famous. I just want to like make it, but there's so much more we're trying to mold into them and, and, and guide them step by step. Yeah. I think what's difficult is everybody wants instant famous or instant success. Um, not realizing that instant success will not, uh, um, will not last. Mm. at all it's, it's it's going to be short-lived there's so many people that's coming and gone and this is what we're trying to like you know instill in them what you want to aim for is longevity not instant uh um, um fame or instant like success because if you want to be in this 10 15 20 years time take your time go about it the right way through the right channels it's really hard because obviously social media you know doesn't help at all yeah because all you're seeing is ah you know these influencers or the youtubers and and the dancers that just shot to fame um on tiktok because of you know viral video that they put out and when you actually search research them they're not actually that good it's just one viral video just, you know, cat catapulted them to instant, you know, um, viral stardom. So it doesn't help with the younger ones because they're so impressionable. Yeah. And they just see the, all the shiny stuff. And I had one, one girl say to us, say, you know, I want to be famous. How can I be famous? Which is really, really worrying because at the time she was like 17. Yeah. What? what what do you what do you mean like you want to be famous i want to be famous i want to be like this person it's like what do you class as fame like what are you sure you think this is the life that you want it's it really isn't especially with the younger generation that are seeking the likes and the validation yes it's so dangerous it's so dangerous so we're trying to like you know make get them to focus on longevity and not um instant fame because that would not last look at how many artists for example that's um singers music musicians um rappers act or you know whatever um genre of music that they 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 do a lot of them have come and gone like you think well, yeah, what happened to this person they were really really good like what happened to them instant fame they couldn't sustain like any form of longevity because they didn't have the right people around them to say to them, you know, these are the steps, keep, you know, keep it, keep it controlled. Don't like, you know, sh just shoot your load too, too quickly. Um, just kind of, you know, 
progressively be in the right places in the right time with the right people. It's definitely the right people will get you to where you want to um, go and help you sustain that. I, ju- I just wish they would remove these followers and likes altogether so it takes <laughs> it out of the equation because even what you said there, I was, I do photography on the side and I was shooting my son's friend for yeah. his parents and his older brother was there and Lincoln, he gets some work on, on some commercials and that. He's got a private account but yeah. uh, when his agent took it over, she opened it up and I remember my son's friend's brother, who was, I think he was 10 at the time, he was looking at it because his mum was looking at Lincoln's pictures going, oh, look at Lincoln. And the first thing he said was, he's got more followers than me. How is that possible? He's like, and his mum, who's very corporate, she turned around and she was like, is that what you think fame is? Like, is that, oh my God, we need to take you off this app. And he was like, well, that's what everyone talks about at school and about like followers. And even the entertainment industry, I wish, because I don't know about UK, but in in Australia, there has been a couple of friends of mine in the industry and they show me stuff. And it's like, you can only go to these auditions if you've got like X amount of followers. That's where we're at now. It is terrible. It's it's really, really crazy because now people are being invited to um, auditions um, based on their followers. Um, kids now are, some, there, there are some agencies that would only take um, kids based on the amount of followers that they have, which is absolutely insane and just adds to the pressures and the, the disruptiveness of the industry, which is you're playing to the dark side even more so. Yep. And as, as much as I understand that they want, you know, campaigns want people who have eyes and engagement that's going to put more um, eyes on their products or campaigns, whatever, but at what cost? Agreed. At what cost? You know, and, and this is what's crazy. I've, I've had, like, you know, um, clients come up and say, you know, um, we've got this like TikTok um, casting. Do you have um, any um, talent that's, that has over 200K followers? Yeah, yeah, do you have any, do you know any dancers that has over 200K followers that you can recommend for this? I'm like, begrudgingly, I'm like, yeah, sure, um, I do. And contacted a few and said, look, this is the, you know, the campaign, this is the crack. Are you interested? And I'm like, yeah, cool, put me forward. Fine, no problem. But this is exactly where we are. They only want people with a certain amount of followers. Um, which then begs to the question of where's the industry going to be in the next five, 10 years time? Mm-hmm. Is this going to be the norm? And not just for the dance industry, acting as well. Actors have to face this as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure s- sooner or later, theatre is going to adopt that mindset. You know, they're going to be casting. Um, actors or performers based on their following because then that's going to attract more people more bums on seats yeah more ticket sales um i'm worried that that will be the case and and i'm optimistic but at the same time i think this is moving forward um it's only going to get worse in that sense um so people just got to be prepared and just accept it's going to be our norm 
so to speak. I just really hope, though, it's it's in a sense of like you probably know yourself. I do. Social media is like a full time job if you're trying to run it yourself. To even think that you can get X amount, like, and then on top of that, if people in younger generation are getting so depressed because they're trying to get one viral hit to get those followers up, mm. it's a dangerous game. It's so unbelievably hard. And then if you haven't got the money, you can't pay an agency to do your social media. So then you're doing it organically, which is even harder because you've got to spend, as you know, with Clubhouse, people are on there 24-7. So it's just, it's it's one of those things. But uh, last couple of questions for you, mate. With the uh, the campaign in regards to it being called Imperfectly Perfect, one of the questions I like to ask everybody is, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Um, for me, it's knowing and accepting your flaws and being okay with it. Knowing that you are flawed, knowing that you are, um, you're not, you haven't completely got your, your, your ish together. You're not completely there, but you're okay with it because everything is a slow process. Progress is a slow process. And that's okay. I'm a place now where I'm content with my flaws. Um, it is what it is. I'm con- like continuously trying to build and and um, you know become. My focal point is to become a better person every day, um, despite any form of like fame or like you know position I've had, money, regardless. It's just being happy with your with, with yourself regardless of any um, imperfections and that's that's how I, I seem I seem to uh, um, view things now before we uh, with our name flawless you know it was a massive like we shot ourselves in the foot with that name like you call yourself flawless uh, mate you've got a lot of <laughs> you've got a lot to live up to now so we're like what whose idea was this and we're like oh yeah it was yours um and we're constantly but we saw it as we're trying we're striving for perfection we're not saying that we are we're striving to be better we're striving for this like you know um epitome even though you're never going to catch um perfection but it's something to work towards working towards being better love it and it never stops absolutely amazing and lastly then mate what is next for you projects obviously you've got everything going on with your with your school and helping all the kids but any projects that you wanna you wanna speak about yeah um so um i'm working on a course for um a load of dance schools um a retention program um, just a, like a, a mini pop-up program that they can you know really really sink their teeth into and um things that little exercises that they can implement within their businesses to help keep their students engaged um keep them in-house um keep them interested as well as building a community and that's one of the um, things a lot of people forget when you're running an art school you want to build a community a place where um, the kids feel safe and a place where the parents trust that their kids are safe and like you know what this is where I want my child to be. And same with the parents, they now start forming a relationship with them and themselves. So now you're building that community as a safe space for everyone to grow. Um, so on, um, putting that course together, which hoping to have it at the end of um, March, 
out, done and dusted. And next project that I'm going to work on is getting into art schools, um, the big colleges, um, having them to really, really shake up their um, educational system, how they, they, they train their students. Um, I'm very, very passionate about, like, you know, their performance, mental well-being. Um, a lot of students or kids go into a college um, with a sound mind and come out completely damaged. And that, that, that's got to change for me. It's got to massively change because now a lot of them come out either, you know, with, with drug problems, drink problems, um, eating disorders, um, mental health issues that they're just like horrible people, but in actuality, they're just projecting. Um, and uh, I'm, I want to like start getting all these colleges together and, and hold, uh, holding a space where I'm saying to them, right, like you guys got to like change your, your system. You're creating monsters. You're not creating artists. There's a, uh, um, a difference. And you're, you got to like recognize that you're playing a huge part in this. There's a whole load of fat shaming. There's like body dysmorphia that's going on massively in art, art colleges. Um, and, and not even just that, in ballet world as well. Same, like the way, like, you know, um, performers are being treated and, and being educated. Um, a lot of them don't even class themselves as entrepreneurs, which is, which is wild. You know, when you're coming out, you're self-employed. Yeah. You're working for yourself. So they don't even believe their own, um, they, they believe that uh, they're working for the agent or, or, the, 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 or whatever client that they're um, trying to please. Where in actuality, it's you, you're, you're an entity in yourself. Um, so again, like, you know, educating them on how to conduct themselves as a business um, and financial education is massive um, as well. Something that I want to like start, um, you know, it's still in, in there. It's a, it's a far cry. It's a, it's been very ambitious, but at the same time, I feel it's necessary because a lot of them um, now have been struggling throughout COVID. Yeah. Had they had the right knowledge and education or the heads up, they would have known how to pivot um, during this period and keep themselves going, which isn't the case at the moment. You know, a lot of people dropped off simply because of, the position that we're in are, you know, um, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. So it, I want to get to the root of the, the problem and start like, you know, offering solutions. I'm not saying that, oh, you guys are all bad, you're terrible, you're demons and you're, you're Satans. That's <laughs> not the case at all. I'm saying like, look at your system and see where you can actually improve. So therefore, when these students come out, you can say they came from us and you can say it with pride and joy and say we developed some incredible artists not just performers that just go out there and think they're you know they're only just going to be performers they don't know their self-worth and um you know when you say to them you're an artist but am i really they start questioning but how how am i an artist i'm just a, i'm just a that's the main thing that i always say is, i'm just a yeah you're just a you're just a what <laughs> You know, um, so that's that's one of the projects that I want to get lifted as well as the, the course um, for student retention. Um, and then, yeah, um, who knows? I'm just going to keep building and start shaking up the industry um, and just change. I might make some enemies along the way. <laughs> you know what, though, mate? That's how change happens. <laughs> yeah. So be it. Yeah. Um, 
yeah that's uh, that's my ambition for 2021 like really really shake the tree and um hope people will um see it from my perspective on not everyone will but hey you know what though i i think it's amazing mate and i think you're doing absolutely amazing things with that and even when i started mine like i was going oh this is an audacious goal and like to take it international and to try and to get to the root cause mm. and it, it got there don't ask me how yeah. <laughs> i'm like but with that passion because it does need a shake-up that, that there's a mental health crisis we know that and it doesn't matter what industry but it does come down to education systems. It does come down to that. And if they're not willing to address it, they need people to come in and shake it up. Yeah. And unfortunately at times it's like, cause I want to create a cultural change because a cultural change means you're going to upset some people and you're not going to upset, but unless it happens, yeah. we got, we're not going to learn from it. So uh, yeah, I just want to thank you for all you're doing. I think it's absolutely amazing. Uh, on behalf of me, on behalf of the campaign, where can people find out more information about you? Um, I'll be on Instagram or Facebook. Instagram is at Big Chris Flawless. Um, on Facebook, Christian Alozi. I've just set up um, LinkedIn. Um, I've never really used it, but I've you know, had people getting on, onto my case. You've got to get LinkedIn. You've got to get... I'm like, all right, okay, cool. Calm down. Yes, I will. <laughs> Let me get through all of this first. Like, yeah. you know, handling so many... Like, Clubhouse as well. I just, you know, and now LinkedIn as well, like, dude, come on, give me a break. <laughs> At some point, I'm going to have to stop paying people to, like, do stuff. Even if I don't have, I'm, I'm going to find the money and just, like, pay them because it's just so overwhelming, like, handling all these social media platforms. So, yeah, find me on, on um, um, Instagram at Big Chris and my uh, uh, agency one is Cast Talent Agency on Instagram also. So that's where you will find me. Oh, and Level Up Business Academy for creatives. That's um, something we've started up as well. We launched at the uh, beginning of this year to help creatives like transform their ideas and turn it into a business. Like get them to really see that you have ideas, you're creatives. There's a reason why you, you call a creative. Turn that into an income generating business. Don't just sit on your hands. It's wasted talent. Um, so that's what we're, we're, we're doing now. Just like giving them that education and tools and platforms to just fly in and better themselves while in this period. And are, after. You, are you still teaching as well, like dancing yourself? I haven't taught since last year. Um, simply because there's just like so many um, things that's been going on. Um, you know, people ask me to and I'm just like, oh, I don't have the time. And if I don't have the time to prep. Yeah. You know, I don't want to do a half-assed job on the day. Like, I just think, okay, cool, I'll teach something old. No, I, I want to, like, you know, do a good job of it and because I do enjoy it. When I do do it, like, I really, really appreciate it as well. and learn from it as a teacher regardless. Um, but I would, I would like to start um, some classes, even do a, pop, a few pop-ups, like, later on um, during a year, probably when the student, studio's open, sorry. Um, and who knows? But I'll pull it up on my Instagram anyway and let people know if I'm going to be doing open classes and stuff. And, uh, the only reason I ask you, mate, I'm like, you've got about four projects going on. You've got that. And you don't look tired at all, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, listen, internally, I'm shattered. But um, I think the best part is, is, is my health. Just I, I'm, I'm very conscious of it. 
making sure I'm keeping healthy in order for me to keep going. Otherwise, I probably would have been a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel you there. Well, I'm going to put all the links up where you can find Christian, guys, but make sure to subscribe, like, and share this podcast episode and all the episodes at Spotify, iHeartRadio, Imperfectly Perfect Podcast. Until next time, guys, keep having the hard conversations because it's the hard conversations that are going to change and impact and save lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.